All right, Mark chapter 16, and uh, we're down to verse 15 and 16, 17, 18 here, 19, 20. And uh, verse 15, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover." And again, we, we talked uh, a little bit about verse 15. I want to go back into verse 15 uh, and, and, and just kind of look at some things here. And a little bit into 16, I thought about just teaching through it and going, but I want to kind of dissect verse 16 and, and talk about uh, baptism, what that's all about, the salvation, and then the damnation, because what begins to happen is, and like tonight in verse 15, the go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and that issue of the gospel. Now, again, uh, verse 18, we didn't read verse 19, so let's read verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following Amen. And again, this is Mark's re record of the post-resurrection commission. All four Gospels, we looked at last time, all four Gospels have pieces of information uh, as well as Acts 1. They have a post-resurrection and a pre-ascension in information in, that, he's, that he's given to them here. Um, in Matthew, you have Matthew 28, you have that look out towards the millennial kingdom and as they sit there as that kingdom of priests and what they're going to be doing in the kingdom going out to the Gentiles. Mark is going to focus in on that tribulation period of time, not only in the gap between Acts 1 and the 70th week, but also the 70th week. Luke is going to deal with the gap period there between, act, between crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, and the beginning of the 70th week. There's that gap of time in there. That's Luke and Acts 1, okay? John is looking at all of it in the totality, but in the issue of authority. The, the authority that they're going to go out in, that authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're going to go out and they're going to, to deal with, uh, do, uh, operate and do. That's why they're in verse 19. I'm sorry, in verse 20, the Lord working with them. They're out operating and functioning in his authority. So when you read these, I know what mainline Christianity calls Matthew and Mark, the, the ends here as the Great Commission. And really, the Great Commission it's an interesting, that term is not a Bible term. That term never shows up in church history until the 1800s when the missionaries in, in Africa and everything and, and over there, over the, across the pond was trying to raise money in, the, in, the, in Great Britain and in America. And so they termed that, they used that to raise money. 
there's nothing in the text here. If there is a great commission, it would be Matthew 10, which started in the earthly ministry and goes all the way out to the millennial kingdom, the setting up of the kingdom. So really, Matthew 10 would be the real commission, again, and not here. Now, because if you look at Mark 16, Mark, his presentation, he, he's, this information in verse 15, 16, 17, and 18 takes place on the day of the resurrection. It, it's, it, it's right here. It's, it's that evening get-together of the day, that first day of the week. Matthew is sometime is a couple is, is is some time later. Acts one is after forty days. So instantly with Mark, what does he do? He gives the information, verse fifteen to eighteen, and then the Lord leaves, verse nineteen, and he jumps forty days, fifty days is gone. So Mark again isn't. Uh, and by the way, Luke is the same way. Luke twenty four. That information happens on the day of, and then he jumps to the Lord's gone, the ascension. So verse 19, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand. And it's almost like he said this and then he was gone. But when you back up and you go find Mark and John, you know, I'm sorry, Matthew and Luke and John, and, and you begin to put it together, there's a series of time. And then in Acts 1, he's got 40 days with them that he's been giving them the information. So before he ascends. And usually what happens is, is when people read that, they say, see, there's a contradiction in your Bible, so your Bible can't be right. And in reality, it's a post and a pre, it's a post-resurrection, pre-ascension. And these instructions here that they're going to go and they're going to do in the light of his absence, he's leaving them and so forth. Again, you have to put it where it belongs because that, again, Mark focusing on the servant, the suffering servant, the, the servant Jehovah, and here's the impact of his resurrection on the disciples, on the apostles and that little flock. So when you think about all this, you've got to, that's why I kind of did what we did last week on the board. Matthew is really here, Mark is here, Luke is here, and all that, because it, you know, it, when you see that, then you get a broader picture of everything that's, that's happening. So, again, Matthew focuses in out on the millennial kingdom, the activity. Mark is going to focus in on the tribulation, the persecution uh, under the satanic captivity. So that's going to be in the gap as well as in the 70th week. Luke and Acts focus in on those early days and that early beginning at Jerusalem and then to Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts. So here they are. Remember, look over at Matthew 10 with me. I'm just All this is kind of remind us as we think about this. If you look at Matthew 10 and verse 23, Matthew 10 and verse 23, the Lord tells them, but when they persecute you in this city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. So they're working and doing, beginning in Jerusalem. By the way, Acts 8, they kicked out of Jerusalem. There's nobody left. They've scattered. 
So we've got all that persecution happening. And then he says, you're not going to get done with Israel, and I'm coming back. Well, then when he comes back, now what do they do? Now we're going to go to the uttermost parts of the world. We're going to go in, the Gentiles, and so forth, which then is what Matthew 28 says. So John 20, the one no one likes, then says, "Here's." by the way, I say that, and really the ones that do like it is, is Rome. The Roman Catholic Church love it because it gives them power to forgive sins because they stand in the stead of, and that's exactly what John 20 is saying. You're going to be going now in, in my, in my pre, as representing me. So when we come back here to Mark 16, again, verse 15, uh, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, again, when we looked at verse 15 a little bit, and then we went and looked at all the other the issues, because this is an expansion of their ministry. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the earthly ministry, it was... The, the ministry was limited to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, period. They weren't to go to the Gentiles. They weren't to go to the Samaritans. Again, come back to Matthew 15. Just have to remind ourselves of this. Matthew 15 and verse number 21. Matthew 15, 21. Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed in the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now that's the very words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from thy master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. The point there is, is in the earthly ministry, it is limited to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The focus is in on Israel in order to gather the believing remnant together, that little flock out of the apostate nation. Go back to Mark 16. Who were then, after his resurrection, he sends out to go out then to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost, all the other nations, okay? And again, it's, this is an expansion of, not a replacement of. So he's expanding their, minist their, the, the, their ministry. There, there's an expansion, limited here, lost sheep, why? Because Genesis 12, verse 3, Abraham, your seed, your people are going to be the blessings to all the nations of the earth, all the families of the earth, you've got, to get, you've got to get you ready. Then through you, well, everything else will flow. And now he's expanding that. Why? Because the little flock is gathered. 
the believing remnant is there. It's in its presence. It, the 12 apostles are set, sitting on the 12 thrones, judging the 12. So the little flock is done and is ready. Now it's for them to go out now and to do the ministry in his absence. Again, that's why Luke 24, Acts 1, you're going to begin at Jerusalem because Israel had to be saved first. Then they come and carry the message out into all the world. So when he says in verse 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, that is not a change as far as the gospel. That's what we're going to look at here now in a minute. But it's a, an expansion of their ministry base. Now, real quick in verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, there's, we're going to dissect this verse up a little more next time because the ultimate goal, the ultimate purpose, the ultimate aim is verse 15, to preach the gospel to every nation. He that believeth, so who is the he? He isn't Israel. They're set. The true Israel of God is set. The he here is the Gentile. So now water baptism isn't Jewish only. It's what? It's to all them that believe. So there's a shift here. Now we'll talk about baptism and so forth. He's preaching to everyone. And whoever believes and is baptized. So in the kingdom program, Gentiles do get baptized. I had heard years ago a guy made a comment uh, in, a, in an article about bap water baptism is Jewish. No, it's not. Why? Well, look at verse 15 and 16. Who's he preaching to? Every creature. And if, he, if every creature will believe, then he's going to go get water baptism, water baptized. What water baptism has to do with is the kingdom program. Israel's program. It's not just the Jew, it's for everybody. So when you think about that, and again, we're, we're going to spend time in that, but I just, as you think, look at what's happening in verse 16. Here, they're going to, they're, verse 15, they're going to go preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Notice it, believeth and not be baptized. It doesn't say that. It says what? Believe. Believe. He that believeth. See, the, the, when we think about the gospel, a lot of times we think about our God, Paul's gospel. It's the power of Christ. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. The death, burial, and resurrection and so forth. But yet, that's not what they're preaching here. By the way, Mark 16, 15, he, two days prior, he tells them, we're going to go preach the gospel. It's going to be published out in the, in the, in the whole world. Uh, that's back in chapter 10. No, not 10. Oh, published to everybody. I just had it. 14. Nine. Keep going backwards, you'll find it eventually. Anyway, two days prior, he, he tells them it's going to be published to the whole world out there. 
Now we're three days later, so we're five days removed, and nowhere does it say he's changed the gospel message. The issue in 1616 isn't the baptism, it's the believing part. Now watch, verse, back to 1616. The, the proposition here, the content of the gospel, like for you and I, is the death, burial, and resurrection. But the proposition is that we, it's unto all and upon all them that believe. Here's the, 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 the gospel of the kingdom. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But the proposition is they still have to believe it. Now their belief is going to cause them to be water baptized. And how you know that is the way verse 16 reads. Three things. They're going to hear the gospel. Verse 15, verse 16, they're going to believe, they're going to be baptized, and they're going to be saved. Those three things. But the key that starts it is believing. If they don't believe, what are they? They're damned. Now, again, we're going to talk about the, the baptism, the salvation, and the damnation there. But the issue is believing, believing the word of God to them in the moment and again the key in this is going to be believing in verse 17 these signs shall follow them that believe well who's who's doing the signs here it's not just the little flock it's all them that believe and that's why faith the essential element here is belief it's faith and it's on both sides of Believe to be saved or believe, not believe damnation. So when you think about this issue about believing the gospel and, and, and so forth, and you get into verse 16, it's just fascinating. Everybody, he that believeth and is baptized, and they run to the baptizing part, and they miss the believing part. And then they miss the he, and that's the every creature. That's, you know, so it's, it, it gets kind of convoluted sometimes when people try to take this and make it us today in the age of grace. Now, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, go back to chapter 1 and verse number 1. 1-1. One, one. Okay? 1-1. One, one. He says, In the beginning, I'm sorry, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God. Now, if you think about that, the, here is the gospel, the good news, the proclamation of who? Jesus Christ as who? The Son of God. It's an interesting thing, that word gospel. I'm not a Greek scholar. I don't play one on TV or any of that stuff. But when you think about the word gospel, and I can't even say the word in Greek. So the Greek word we define it out as good news, but in the Greek, it's a herald,er you know, a crier in the in the in the in the city, the city. Here, here ye, here ye, here it is. But in the Greek culture, they were they were heralding the the accomplishments of of the Roman Caesar or of the Roman general that just won the battle. That crier in the town square is the idea here. And again, and we do it with so forth, but here's the gospel of 
the Lord Jesus Christ, not, you know, here, here comes the, the announcement of the Roman authority, whether it's the Caesar or the general. So here's the announcement of Jesus Christ who? The Son of God. That's kind of quite startling. And it would have been so something new here. And what Mark is doing is he's announcing there's something happening here on the scene now that's different than ever before. And Mark starts with a bold announcement, and then he ends, the Messiah is here, but then he ends, by the way, the Messiah is here, verse 2, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. The Messiah is here, and then he's concluding 1615 with the announcement. He's He's ending with the gospel, and it's the gospel of the Messiah. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus. It's the gospel of the kingdom. They've been saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why? Because the kingdom is here. It's time. It's being offered. Now, when you think about the, come back to Matthew 21. When you think about the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, Matthew 21. It's not about the cross. It's not about the death, burial, and resurrection. They don't even know about it. When he tells them, they argue with them. Even on the resurrection, John 19, they still don't understand it until later that evening when he opens their understanding. Okay? Here he, think about the gospel of the kingdom. Here is the good news of the kingdom. Repent, for it's at hand. And here's the son, here's Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Here's the Messiah, and he's the one bringing in the kingdom. He's bringing it with him. And you know what? You need to repent, and you need to get ready, because here he comes. So in the kingdom, the Lord comes. He's gathering together that believing remnant. Repent. They're confessed. They're being baptized of John down in Jordan. They're in the Jordan River. They're doing all everything that lines right up. Matthew 21, 42. And Jesus said unto them, now the them here is verse 33. Here another parable. Okay? So he's going to give a parable to the Pharisees. If you look there at verse 45. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parable, they perceived that he spake of them. So he's giving a parable here, and he's talking about the religious leaders. Verse 42, he said unto them, Did ye never read in the Scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now, that's Psalms 118. Therefore, Say I unto you, the leaders of Israel. Again, verse 45, the chief priests, the Pharisees, they understand he's talking about them. I say, therefore, therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Not nations, <coughs> because that would indicate Gentiles, and then which one? But it's a nation. And that, that, that issue here of 
a nation becomes the issue. Now, Luke 12, come over to Luke 12. And here's that a nation. Luke 12. Who was who the kingdom promised to? The seed of Abraham, that multiplied seed. It's yours, the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant. David's flesh is going to sit there on the throne and so forth. So it has to be Jewish. It has to be in that line. So Luke 12. What nation is he going to give that kingdom to? Well, Luke 12, verse 31. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So he's going to take the kingdom that's been promised to Israel. He's going to take, that, he's going to take it from the apostate, vain, religious leaders and system. And then he's going to come over here and he's going to give it to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. He's going to come over and he's going to give it to that, na that believing remnant, that little flock of believers who will be the true Israel of God eventually. And that's what the kingdom of the, that's what the gospel of the kingdom is designed to produce. The kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom is designed to produce that believing remnant who he's going to take the kingdom away and give it to them, and then they're going to go in, establish the kingdom, set up the, the vehicle of, of blessing, and let it flow. Okay? Now, in, fifth, in Mark 16, 15, that's been accomplished. That little flock is established. It's ready to go. But then he, go, then he looks to them, in verse 15, he said unto them, the, the little flock, the, the, the eleven, there verse 14, the apostles, as they rep, and that whole, the group there, he looks to them and he says, okay, now, beginning with Israel, now you're going to go out to everybody. Now you're going to expand your ministry to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now you're going to go to every creature. Okay? Now, come to Galatians chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3. But we're going to go to Galatians 2 first. Okay? Because something is happening here in the gospel presentation. In Acts, I'm, I'm sorry, Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That's all he says. He doesn't say gospel of the kingdom. Now, the gospel of the kingdom, its goal is to establish the little flock, the 12 apostles, the little flock. That's been accomplished. Now, we have some, now we're going to expand to the rest of the world. Now, look at Galatians 2. And again, the terminology for the gospel changes at this point. Two days prior to death, he's telling them, preach to all the, preach it, pre, okay? You're going to do this, the end's going to come, etc. Three days later, what's he doing? Same thing. No time to change. Okay, now you guys are going to talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's the same, the same flow. Now, in Galatians 2, you have Paul. He went up to Jerusalem. This is the Acts 15 account uh, events, if you will. Just look at verse 7. Just notice the terminology changes here. 
Verse 7, but contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. <laughs> the gospel of the circumcision. Now Peter's message isn't just the gospel of the kingdom. Now what is it called? Gospel of circumcision. Verse 8, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and the Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen, uncircumcision, and they unto the circumcision. The circumcision here is that believing remnant. The heathen here and the uncircumcision is apostate Israel and the Gentiles. And Acts 7 confirms that. When Stephen looks at him and says, you're uncircumcised in hearts and ears, who's he talking to? He's talking to unbelieving Israel. Now, come over to Acts 3. Acts chapter 3. And watch Peter do this. Acts chapter 3. So what, what's happening here is the God, after the resurrection, all right, Paul now, after the resurrection, after the ascension, Paul makes a reference to the message being preached by Peter as the gospel of the circumcision. Not gospel of the kingdom, but gospel of the circumcision. The reason is, is because their message has what? Expanded now. It's changed. It's changed in that it's, the, the audience is expanded. The message isn't going to change. It's going to be the same. It's now we're going, we're talking to specific. Now watch in Acts 2 and 3, really Peter's preaching this, but look at Acts 3. Acts 3, verse 18. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his holy prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Now just so you know, Peter is talking, he's in front of the council here again. He's in trouble. He, they've been, they just healed the guy at, outside the temple, and now he's in trouble for it. So he's getting, he's getting in his licks before he can, while he can. Verse 19, repent ye, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Next time when we look at the issue of their salvation, you and I think about salvation as a present possession, justification, we got it now. They never thought that way. They thought about it, one, being a physical salvation, a physical rescue, and then they thought about it, it's always out in the kingdom. It isn't in the moment, it's looking forward, and we'll see all that. And it's very striking, verse 19, when do they get their sins blotted out? When the time of refreshing comes. Not in the moment when they believe, when they're justified, it's out ahead. So you have to kind of be careful how we think when we come through some of this for Israel. Anyway, verse 20, and he shall send Jesus Christ, before, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the time of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Okay, so the prophets are continuing to be fulfilled. It's con it's a, again, the content of the message hasn't changed. 
it's now the expanded to include the groups that were excluded during the earthly ministry. Verse 22, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things, whatsoever he shall say unto you. Now that's Deuteronomy 18, and that prophet is going to be the Messiah. Verse 23, And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Again, it's, nothing's changed. He's, he's going to come back one day, and when he does, what's he going to do? If you, deny, if you wouldn't hear him and wouldn't listen to him, he's going to destroy you, the judgment. Verse 24, Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. He's going to judge you. That, that's why in Acts 2, when they, or in Acts, Acts 1, Acts 2 there, when they're, in, in, when they're saying, that, man, you guys are drunk, you're speaking in all our tongues and everything, and Peter goes, no, that's what Joel said was going to happen. And we're in those days. We're in the last days here. Verse 25, now watch. Ye are the children of the prophets, Israel, not were. See that? Ye are, not ye were. Ye were in that, in Acts 2, we got a whole new message, that death, burial, and resurrection. No, ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant, which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. You see, ye are. Verse 25 is the gospel of the circumcision. What are they? What's the, the Abrahamic covenant is called the covenant of circumcision. And that's who you are. This is, this is life for all of the nations of the earth through that Abrahamic covenant. It's through the seed of Abraham, the circumcision. That's who you are. And boom, here you go. But it starts with them being that believing remnant. What did they believe? They believed Jesus was Messiah. They believed him in every step of the manner. They believed he was fulfilling the prophets. The whole message here by Peter, verse 26, unto you first. Israel has to be redeemed first. Then what can happen? Verse 25, it can flow out to everybody else. So when Paul, again, Paul shows up with a new message. He's got that provoking ministry. In Paul's new gospel, Paul's my gospel, Paul's message, there is no covenant relationship. There is no circumcision. Remember that in Galatians, circumcision avails nothing, nor uncircumcision. What's the deal? The new creature, see. So what we have to do, we'll come back to Mark 16 there, when we come through here, is we have to pay attention. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel of the kingdom, because in the earthly ministry, what is the Lord doing? He's gathering the little flock together. He's establishing the 12 apostles, the leadership. 
They're to go to Israel only. Why? Because that believing remnant has to come out of Israel. Then in the Acts period, what does he do? He then sends out that little flock to provoke unbelieving Israel to get saved, if you, if you will. That's the gospel of the circumcision. Remember that thing in Paul in Romans uh, 3, or the end of Romans 2? He's not a Jew outwardly. He's a Jew inwardly. That heart of faith. In Luke, uh, on Sunday nights, we're, we're going to get down there, what well, we did a little bit, in chapter 7, verse 29, all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves being not baptized. You know what they are? They're uncircumcised. Now, they may have the physical thing, but that's not the point here. The point's that heart matter. And that's that where that believe, verse 6, 16, 16, he that believeth, you see, he, what is he believing? He's believing the gospel of the circumcision. He's, again, the gospel of the kingdom is the fundamental, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everything the prophets, Daniel 2, 44, 45, about a kingdom and the prophesied kingdom and king and, and the ruling and the reigning and being the head and not the tail and being all this, being God's people, that's still flowing. It's just now expanded into the next step. And now it's Paul, Paul identifies it as gospel of the circumcision, and that's what Peter's preaching there in Acts 3. It's, ye are the children of Israel. How are you? Because you're the believing remnant. This is who you are. That's why in Acts 2, 38, or down in uh, verse 40, he'll say, save yourselves from that untoward generation. Well, I got ahead of myself, Okay. That's what's next. Anyway, go back to Mark 16, okay? Verse 16, he that believeth, and again, he's believing the gospel of the circumcision at this moment. But the issue here is believing. And again, it's important to understand water baptism. We'll see that next time. It's important to understand the salvation and the damnation. But salvation in Israel's program is not like salvation in our program, okay? We think about salvation as justification unto eternal life. Now, salvation has three, three phases. Past, justification unto eternal life. Sa salvation present, the issue of sanctification, in the walk right now. Salvation, the, the word just simply means to be rescued from harm or hurt or whatever. Then we have a salvation in the future called glorification. Israel's, Israel's salvation, a majority of the time in the Old Testament, is a physical salvation. It doesn't have anything usually to do to and for a spiritual thing for eternal life. Very rarely is it really that at all. I, the reason I would never say, Always in the Old Testament is because somebody will pull one up that isn't that way, okay? So Israel, 
you and I, we have all the spiritual blessings. We're completing Christ. There's nothing to be added. We got it right now as a present possession. A Jew, an Israelite, a believing remnant member never thought that way. They thought about it's a physical deliverance in the moment from a physical enemy right now. Now, come over to Acts 2. I, I, quoted the, I went to quote the verse, and we're going to look at it now. That's why, again, paying attention is very critical here to kind of get out the microscope or, or the magnifying glass and look at it closely. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, now they just, he just pricked their hearts. He got them convicted. Prick, pricking your heart is putting you under conviction. They asked the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Now, that's not Gentiles. That's the scattering of the nation. That's chapter 1, verse 9, 10, and 11, where all those Jews came from the world around. Verse 39, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, now watch, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Now think about that. Save yourself from the untoward generation. Well, what did he just tell them? Repent. Change your mind about who you just killed, Jesus being the Messiah. You repent, you change your mind, you're going to come over here now and be water baptized, and you'll get the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is what's going to save yourself from who? The untoward generation, the apostate generation. Physical salvation from the apostate generation, because what's coming? the wrath to come. So there's a, it's a physical issue. Again, there, get out of that apostate generation, that untoward generation, that apostate nation upon whom the whole wrath of God's about to be dumped on, poured out on. So, there, so salvation in a, Jew, a Jewish mind, a believing remnant mindset is a physical salvation from the wrath of God that's going to fall on that apostate nation. Now, what Peter's doing here is he's integrating the, 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 the messages here of Mark 16, preach the gospel to all the creatures, believe. He's, there's this issue here of we're coming in here and... We're going to integrate, so we've got the gospel of the kingdom, that's the bottom line. Now we've got this special message that's now going to go out everywhere else to come to the lost, to the unbelieving Jew that would then enable them to, Acts 1 to 8, believe, get in the believing remnant, because then they're going to turn and then they're going to go to the Gentiles. Okay, now go back to Mark 16. Mark 16. 
16. He that believeth, again, that's the key issue. The essential element in the gospel of the kingdom, in the gospel of the circumcision, by the way, in the gospel of the grace of God, in the gospel is the issue of faith. That is the key element. Without faith, nothing else matters. Notice verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not and is not baptized, no, just believe not, shall be damned. So with faith, baptism matters. Without faith, baptism is of no, it's just going to get you wet. doesn't matter. And that's the essential element here from Genesis 1 to the end of the, to the amen of the last page of Revelation is faith. It's believing God's word to you. The issue here, the basis of personal justification, personal, and again, this is in all of the places in Scripture. That issue, the basis is always going to be the blood of Christ. It's always going to be that. But it's always going to be the, the message. Come over to Romans 4. It's going to be God's word to you, no matter where you're at. You see, a fallen man can't stand in the presence of a holy God in his own merits. can't happen. You have to stand there in the merits of who? His son. And that is the basis of all the acceptance. The basis of salvation in every age is the blood of Christ. The means of salvation is always faith. And we'll go over to Hebrews 11 here in a minute and see that. But just notice Romans 4. By the way, the object of our faith is always God. The content of our faith Now, that's going to depend upon the dispensation we're studying and looking at, okay? Look at Romans 4. Look at verse, um, well, verse 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof the glory, but not before God. See, a, a fallen man can't stand before a holy God on his own merits. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it, his faith, his believing God, was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham had righteousness imputed to him, credited to him, counted to him, however, because he did what? He believed what God said. This is Genesis 15, so that's about the seed and having a son. Now drop down to verse 22. And therefore it was, it, faith, right, was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our Justification. Faith is what causes 
God to justify, impute righteousness to Abraham, but to then all those that believe. Now, what helps in this, honestly, is understanding how he can justify the Old Testament saint, and that's Romans 3, verse 25. Okay? Based, God the Father knew Calvary was coming, so he could forbear, looking forward to Calvary, say, there's the shed blood, and we'll, we'll impute it back here. Now, Romans 4, verse uh, 6, David even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. How is that happen? Based on David's faith in the word of God to him in the moment. Again, always the way to, for personal justification anywhere in Scripture is based on faith in God's word to them in the, in, 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 in the situation. Now come over to Hebrews 11, that great hall of of faith, the great, comp the, the great cloud of witness. Hebrews 11, if you look at verse 7, and think about Noah, Hebrews 11, 7, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moving with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Now think about this. When Noah built the ark, he was saving his house from physical destruction, drowning, the rain. There's nothing, he's not saving them unto eternal life. That comes later. It's, it's, it's there because Noah is a man of righteousness. But what is Noah doing? Noah, by, he's saving himself and his family from drowning, not eternal life, from drowning. Then he says, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Now there's eternal life. God tells different things to different people at different times, and that's the dispensational content. Noah believed God. God said, Noah, I'm going to judge the earth, and I'm, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to rain. And Noah's like, what is rain? He goes, that's okay. You're going to do this. You're going to build an ark. And, that, and, then, and he did it, and there was physical salvation. And the physical salvation, by the way, if you look over at 2 Peter 2, 2 Peter 2, verse 5. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. How did he save Noah? Not unto eternal life, saved what? Physically, in the moment, physical destruction. So in Hebrews eleven seven. The rest of the verse, again, faith, Noah's righteousness was imputed to him. And by the way, he gained, if you look there at the end of verse 7, 11, 7, and became heir. He got an inheritance. If you're an heir, you got an inheritance in God's plan. That inheritance is eternal life, which is what he's going to promise Abraham coming up next.
the next big man of God, uh, and, and so forth. So when you come back to Romans 3 on your way back to Mark 16, so Israel's salvation package starts with the issue of faith, period. Faith, with faith, now baptism is important, and all of the rest, without faith, none of that is of import at all. So Israel's program, faith in God's word in the moment, and that God's word tells me I need to be baptized, and I'm going to get the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to be able to do the ABC. Without faith, it doesn't matter. Now, again, Romans 3.25, the, the light given to Paul, shedding on all of this, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Again, to forbear. Kick it down the road. Let it go. We'll get it. We're going to. What did God know? God the Father knew that the shed blood of his son was coming. So when they, by faith, did what the word told them to do, the commandments, the sacrifices, all of it, he, uh, he counted, he imputed, he credited them on the basis of the cross for their faith. That then gives them that issue of uh, the ability to have now eternal life. If he didn't do that, then they're all miserable. That's what he did. Now, verse 26, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, and now here was Paul begins to talk about how the cross was in, is imparted to you and I. Now to all men, and he was just in doing that. So when you come back to Mark 16, time's up. I didn't get as far as I was hoping to. Mark 16, 15, the gospel, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The gospel there is the gospel of the circumcision because it's expanding now. The little flock is set. The kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom accomplished its job. Now it's ready for the next stage. Stage one is completed. The little flock is there, the, the 12 are there, everything's ready to go. Now we're going to go to stage two. Stage two's got a name called Gospel of the Circumcision. Stage one, Christ is Messiah. He establishes his people, his nation, and now that nation is now going to go out and is going to, to renew the opportunity to, to Israel. And then, then after that's done, then they're going to go to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, they don't get that far till the kingdom, Matthew 28, but that's where we're at. Now, in verse 16, again, we're going to look at baptism, and uh, we'll look at the issues there of their faith and so forth and the damnation because those terms get battered about and, and jockeyed around, and it's important to understand that the reason for baptism, the only reason for water baptism, is because that nation is to be a kingdom of priests. And the priests have to be cleaned before they can go to work. So they believe he's the Messiah. Then they're cleansed, baptized, and now they can go do the work of the priesthood that they're supposed to go do. 
and we'll see all that. We'll run the verses, and by the end of it, you'll go, okay, enough, uncle. It, it, it really, it, you know, but what happens is, is in mainline Christianity, they try to make us fit in all this, and it isn't us at all. It's Israel and Israel's program, okay? You have to remember, they're looking for a literal, visible, physical, earthly, Davidic kingdom. They never are looking for anything spiritual. They're all... They, they, when he says, and those that are endured to the end shall be saved. Saved from what? From the wrath, from the judgment, but saved into what? The kingdom. Then how did they endure? By faith, they endure down and do it. And that's why I, the things in there, he goes, woe unto you. If it's on a Sabbath day or if you're with child and all this stuff, woe, why? Because the rules are the rules. You can't break them. And yet, you know, here we go. Okay. All right, enough. Dear, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the evening. We thank you for your word and for the look into the, your program with your people, your earthly people. And we rejoice in that as we learn and as we remind ourselves and as we uh, keep ourselves out of these passages and we just rejoice in what you will do one day in your, in your, uh, in, in your people. In your name we pray, amen. amen.